They are guides, all guides, and in unexpected places. You'll meet their friendly faces, and a ready hand besides. There's not much danger of finding you're a stranger for a commissioner or ranger. They are guides, all guides. Hi, and welcome to Guides Own, the unofficial guiding podcast where we talk about everything guiding. I'm Taryn. And I'm Marissa. Today, we are talking about all things current in our world with regards to COVID. Um, We'll start off by talking about what guiding has looked like during COVID, including some stories and ideas um, that will inspire you. Then we'll dive into the life of a former Girl Scout and former president of Pfizer, Karen Catton. Karen's background in healthcare and experience in business helped Pfizer become what it is today, which is especially huge as Pfizer has uh, been credited with producing one of the world's first approved COVID vaccines. And in a time when hope continues to sort of rise and fall, we hope that the campfire song, It's a Small World, will remind us all to be kind and loving to one another as we continue to fight through everything. Yeah. So with how rocky the world's been the last year or so, um, I know for me, guiding has kind of been a touchstone. It's been a pretty standard um, event that's happened in my week to kind of, you know, keep it going. Let me know what day of the week it is. Um, Especially during the first lockdown when it felt like all time was meaningless. Having Pathfinders on Tuesday nights kind of kept, oh no, schedule going. Gave me a little bit of structure and... It felt like the girls really appreciated that as well, having something that wasn't school and at least some activities continuing on in some form or fashion. Yeah, I can't remember when we started because, of course, everyone just thought it would be like two to three weeks off, right? Because of the lockdown. But then it became so much longer. So I think we waited about a month or so until we thought, like, let's try this virtual thing. It might have been closer to a month and a half, but... Yeah, well... We weren't on it right away, I will say that. No, it was kind of a, you know, we'll see you after March break. And then when March break turned into two weeks, we're like, oh, we'll wait, we'll see. You know, this isn't going to be that long. And then when we realized it was going to be, we... uh, I know I was missing it. I was very excited to be back to it um, in the spring. um, And figuring it all out. Um, And it seemed like our girls really appreciated it. They really, they were very excited to be back and hanging out and being silly with us. Um, And then this year as well, um, it seems like a lot of after-school activities didn't get started the same way they usually would, but at least with guiding, and I know in Ontario, most of the units met outside the first couple weeks until, you know, it got too cold and too dark in the evenings um being able to see their friends and like get out of their house and do something was very much appreciated by our girls especially um being pathfinders and preteens and teenagers you know getting away from mom and dad even for a couple hours um changing life up um so i looked into a little bit of what guiding and scouting um is doing 
now that, you know, we're starting or we started our guiding year during COVID instead of kind of adapting on the fly to what the new program would have to be. Um, so in Canada, um, National decided to go with a regional approach to um, their uh, restrictions, which let different provinces and regions um, go to different stages to kind of give, um, you know, the most flexibility to the girls uh, possible. Um, because there's no reason that, you know, since they had, you know, COVID under control in their times in Newfoundland, why they'd have to be under the same restrictions as, like, Ontario and Quebec were, who very much has been struggling with COVID. I think it's a very interesting thing for us in Canada compared to European countries, too. Like, I was talking to one of our listeners, um, Katie, about this, and she was telling me about what their situation, like, is in England and, like, the whole country's on lockdown, whereas here in Canada, like, certain provinces are in lockdown at different times yeah. for the exact reason. So it's it's a little bit different here than maybe where you live, depending on. Um, we're more like the states where it's, like, it's really pretty much up to the provinces or, or the states in the U.S., as to what's happening, although we seem to have maybe a better system in place. <laughs> yeah. I'll say. Um, I think the fact that Canada and the United States is so geographically vast, it'd be hard to kind of put a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, Canada covers five and a half time zones, like four and a half time zones. Um it's not really fair to put restrictions on, you know, people in the West and the East and the North kind of making them all deal with the same thing. Cause you know, one place couldn't get their <laughs> stuff together to get things organized. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I really appreciated with this regional approach especially in Ontario where we live, they got pretty minute with the restrictions. So it went by um, our community or um, where other places might call districts, um, depending on what the restriction, the provincial restrictions in that um, community or district were is what changed your stage. Um, letting, you know, People in Northern Ontario have a little bit more freedom where numbers are way down versus people in Toronto and eventually where we are in Waterloo um, go into a much higher, um, higher, lower stage, more restrictive stage, um, kind of making a little bit piecemeal all over the country, but giving people, you know, the flexibility to be able to get out and do as much as they could. Um, so there are six stages in Canada's, or Guides Canada plan. So the first one or the most restrictive is virtual and anytime, which is all online or some other way. You can't meet in person 
Um, so it's all online or you send activities to your girls and you get them to kind of do the activity and send you back photos or um, something to show that they've done it. Kind of like homework assignments, um, which is what we're currently doing uh, and what most of Canada is in right now is in the virtual at any time. Um, the only places that are at a least restrict, less restrictive area are the three territories and Newfoundland. Everyone else in Canada is virtual at any time. Um, and then the next stage is outdoor where only safeguide green and yellow activities are permitted, which we talked about in our safeguide episode, but low risk activities um, either at your meeting space or in your community. Uh, you have to stay physically distanced. Masking is required for everybody. You must be outside except if um, you need to go to the washroom. Um, and then washrooms are one girl per every two toilets um, and no singing is allowed. The next one um, is indoor, which is where we all wish we could be. Um, while it's still, you know, most of the same rules as outdoor, you're allowed to meet inside. Um, however, saying that it's still preferred that you meet outdoors and drop off and take up has to be outside. So no parents coming into your facility to pick up, drop off. Um, and then the final three stages are camping and sleepovers, multi-unit activities and travel over 72 hours. Um, so all these, or at least the outdoor, indoor and camping um, stages, um, all at this point, point are uh, only for your unit to try and keep you know groups isolated stopping that community spread not letting too much interaction help happening um yeah. and then before you arrive to any activity you need to complete a covid self-assessment checklist uh which is like what we've all gotten so used to filling out or, you know, answering before we enter anywhere. Um, have you been outside in the last, or outside of Canada in the last uh, 14 days? Do you have, you know, the typical symptoms, uh, runny nose, cough, sneezing? Um, and have you come in contact with anyone with COVID? Um, and then a waiver at the start of the year kind of, you know, making sure parents realize that we are meeting in person and the risks that come with that. Uh, and then one thing that Girls First has done that's been super helpful, I know to me and I'm sure to Marissa who's been planning much more of our meetings, is they've added a new filter in Girls First, which is the virtual slash anytime slash in person, um, which will help filter out activities that are easily done or adapted to do over Zoom or other like Skype or Teams, um, other video conferencing systems, um, helping 
guiders and girls who are old enough to be planning meetings, um, giving them those resources to be able to help figure out what they can even do, um, which has been, I think, one of our biggest challenges is keeping girls entertained and still learning over um, online meetings. Um, and then over the spring and summer, they had guiding at home, which was opened to everyone. So that includes non-members um, that allowed the Girls First platform opened up to a lot more people to help give um, members and non-members access to the wide sets of resources that Girls First has for, you know, finding activities and things to do with your family at all different ages. So, you know, working with your kids who might be, you know, in grades, um, in kindergarten and grade one, grade two, all the way up. Um, especially those younger kids who are so busy and need so much entertainment, having, you know, one more thing to be able to access to help find activities today, which I'm sure would have been really difficult over the first lockdown and just as difficult now. I think another real cool thing I'll mention, I might have mentioned it before, that popped up almost, I feel like immediately, not maybe not right away, but within the first few weeks, somebody created a guiding at home Facebook page. And it's just dedicated to people sharing ideas of activities you can do at home, virtually, anytime, whatever. Um, because yeah, it is tough to try to figure out what activities you can do mm-hmm. um, without, you know, like, cause we, I think we depend, especially in guiding on group interaction and physical movement and physical activities. So it's, it's really hard to facilitate some of those activities on the Girls First platform because you need to be like physically present with each other. So, mm-hmm. and even when we were meeting in person in the fall, like even the socially distant things um, were limited too, right? There's there's somewhere you really generally just have to be close to each other to two things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a skill now and probably a lot of guiders had before was the adaptability. You have to be able to adapt to these scenarios. And if you come out of guiding on the other side of COVID and you're still a member and a guider and a leader, um, you've definitely earned like, a all-time lifetime achievement badge. I feel like it should be like embroidered with gold thread, like if you yeah. make it through, right? <laughs> um, definitely. And I think it helps that our girls are a little bit older and are kind of figuring it out with us. Um, I know my mom used to have a Sparks unit um, that once lockdown started, she felt like she couldn't really continue doing anything. Uh, Her parents never really responded to emails. So like being able to organize anything wasn't going to happen. And she really struggled with that. Um, But with our Pathfinders, they had the agency to decide they want to continue. Um, And while we saw, you know, a few faces disappear, there were definitely a number of faces that you could tell it was the highlight of their week was coming to Pathfinder still. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, and then like a lot of them also returned for the fall year, like which was really exciting. Yeah. Um, I think it helped knowing going into it that we would be able to meet in person for the first couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if parents' opinions have changed, but we haven't had anyone pull out yet. So no, I think it's good. Yeah, I think the girls also really want to be there. Like they are um, even more this year than last year. They're active in participating. It's last year it felt like we we're definitely pulling teeth some weeks to get conversations going. This week they're much, or this year they're much more um, attuned to it and willing to participate I think part of that's they were just a little bit more used to this new world we live in it was a big change last year and very sudden um so some other countries um I looked around to a couple different countries and realized everyone's doing basically the same thing it's you know, how to support your members as much as you can while meeting remotely. So I kind of focused in on the US and the UK um, and what they're doing. And I looked a little bit at Australia and then realized it's the exact same and I didn't need to go into a third country. Um, So in the US, um, their national group or national committee has a ton of great articles on their blog about how to talk to your kids about all sorts of different things um so it's life stuff it's you know how to engage your kids and different conversations and how to help them through different problems that they might be having so they had a couple articles about covid Um, And one big one that I read through and I appreciated um, just being a leader, not even being a parent. These articles are very much designed towards parents. But they had one article that was do's and don'ts of talking to your kid about COVID. Um, So some of the do's, um, which I felt like were important to highlight, were let them know that their feelings of Fear, sadness, anger, disappointment, and confusion are all normal and okay, and that you're also feeling those symptoms, or those, also feeling those feelings. Um, Make sure you give them answers to any of their questions in age-appropriate ways to help them um, kind of process their, that information. Give them the tools that they need to stay healthy, so whether that be um, you know, helping them learn how to wash their hands safely, um, where like giving them the masks they need, but also the mental health tools that they need to stay healthy. Um, remind them that any and all personal contact contact should be com- could bleh, any and all personal contact should be governed by their own uh, comfort level, um, just like in normal times or the before times. And make sure you keep up your family routine, your routine at home and during your um, meetings. Those routines help keep everyone calm and steady and give them like what we talked about earlier, that foundation to build everything else around when, you know, nothing makes sense anymore. 
Um, a couple of the big don'ts that they listed out were don't lead the conversation to feelings. It might give them feelings uh, that they don't need to be concerned about. Um, so spark age or daisy age, girls don't need to be worried about the fear that, you know, a lot of adults and older girls might have. So don't point them in that direction. Let them, you know, work through the feelings that they have. Um, admit that you don't have all the answers and that um, sometimes even professionals don't have the answers, um, that everyone's kind of learning and working through this together. Uh, this is a big one, especially with um, what, you know, was happening at the start of the pandemic is don't turn a blind eye to stereotypes, um, especially early in the pandemic when people were, you know, talking about how it was from China and, you know, being very anti-Asian um, and very racist, um, you know, don't turn a blind eye into that. Talk to them, explain why that might not be true and accurate. And the last big one is don't uh, feed into the culture of panic. Um, so just a few do's and don'ts that I found really important and a really nice reminder um, and, um, the fact that they had that in a very well, um, written out article to kind of ground parents and give parents and guiders, um, a little bit of guidance to how to deal with everything. Yeah, um, that sounds really good. Like, I just want to add to that. Um, I think we forget as adults, especially with young, young kids, um, but all ages, is that kids pay attention to us a lot more than we realize, and they pay attention mm -hmm. to what we say and how we speak, whether it's positively or negatively. So having those do's and don'ts is just a good reminder, especially like the one about panic. Like there's a lot of panic yeah. buying, panic purchasing of all sorts of things. Um, and of course, people, you know, start to feel certain ways and they'll say certain things and Yes, mm -hmm. I like that they have that. That's a good thing to get parents and guiders, leaders, whoever you are um, aware of that because it's easy to forget, I think. Yeah, um, if you go to the USGS blog, I can't remember the URL, um, but they have a thing where you can sign up for their monthly newsletter um, that has some activities, but a lot of these articles on how to be um, a trusted adult in kids' lives um, and giving them that support that they need. Um, and, you know, some tips and tricks and fun stuff as well. Um, but I found uh, this article really helpful and they had another article about how to help your kid um, deal with the disappointment of COVID. So especially in the first wave when all of a sudden everything was getting canceled. Um, and I know I was feeling disappointed that a lot of plans I was really excited for had to be canceled. Um, and I have, you know, the ability and coping mechanisms as, you know, a woman who, you know, has a career and a job. Um, and it's just that much harder when you're still forming those routines and abilities as a younger person. Um, 
So they had an article about how to deal with the disappointment. They had an article about um, how to teach um, younger kids about germs and why, you know, they, hand washing and physical hygiene was so important. So a lot of really great things, a really great resource uh, to go check out if you want any of that information. Um, they had a couple articles to help um, troop leaders um, decide and form their new system. So a lot of the restrictions in the states comes from your individual council. So um, a council is similar to um, our communities, our divisions, so it's much more local. It seems to be there's, you know, a couple per state depending on the size of the state. Um, so that'll be three or four or a lot more if you're in the state like California or New York, um, kind of let the council lead um, what the restrictions are, but their national body put out um, a list on what to do and how to support your troop. Um, and it's a lot like how we've been doing it in Canada. It's deciding how you're going to keep connected as a troop or unit, if you're going to do weekly meetings online, if you're going to do um, monthly, if you're able to meet in person, um, what those uh, decisions are going to be. Find a way to keep your unit traditions going. So if it's, you know, holding hands at the end of the meeting to do a friendship circle, finding new alternatives to that, um, and keeping it girl-led, uh, letting the girls have input and um, a say in what happens and how the troop is going to keep running. Keep the families engaged. Um, so, you know, if you go online, making sure that your families are able to support that. Um, and, you know, if they have any questions, being open to your parents. Um, continuing to expand her world, especially with how guiding is so much about, you know, expanding horizons and learning and trying new experiences. Um, that's been a lot harder with COVID not being able to get out and do those field trips um, or have those guest speakers come in. Um, so take advantage of the multiple um, institutions around the world that have, you know, put up virtual uh, tours or different trips, field trips and things. So do virtual field trips or invite a guest speaker to your um, meeting and be able to participate that way. Also gives you a chance to have guest speakers and do experiences that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do at home normally. And lastly, like always be open with your girls. Um, let them know that you're also struggling or, you know, trying to find things um, that work if, you know, activity doesn't work like planned, you know, tell them why. Tell them that, you know, you thought you could adapt it to Zoom and it's just not working as well as you thought it would. Um, they also had Girl Scouts at Home, which had more leader resources 
um, with tips and tricks for leading in-person and virtual meetings and how to adopt badge, adapt badges for virtual meetings. And they had much like our girls first um, anytime tag on uh, the girls for girls first platform. They had a selection of activities that were adapted uh, to be online and posted them. Um, I'm not sure. I kind of I tried to look around see if they had expanded that over the last number of months or not. Um, but it definitely gave an idea of what you can do to adapt your program. Um, and then another thing that I thought was really cool that I wish we had in Canada was a number of virtual events with um, events and sessions that will help connect girls um, outside their uh, troop and complete their program. And they're set up like many online courses. So there are five or six week courses um, that will help you earn a badge or an activity. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, I looked around at some of those and they seemed like a lot of fun. They had um, a whole one about um, their brownies and STEM. Um, so an engineering program, so really cool stuff. I just want to say I did, I only found it today and it was really late, but I think they did, Girl Guides of Canada did have a few virtual sessions specifically for different branches for different badges. Um, it was through the Girls First website, so you have to log in, but um, when you go in, there's what's called a virtual calendar. Mm -hmm. um, and I found it there and they, I noticed they had stuff in up to December. So they haven't done anything new, but it's in there and I'm just going to log in again. <laughs> Cause you have to log in every single time. Yeah. Um, like every five to 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. Um, it's a lot when you try and plan a meeting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But there were a few opportunities for different branches that they did do. And I think it was under more for girls. If you're a Canadian girl guide. Yeah. More for girls. And then there's virtual guider calendar, which is a little misleading, but it's there. And um, it says virtual guider session. So it'll take you to like guider ones, but then if you move around and see all their other events, they do have other ones. So cool. If you go to their past events, you can see they have um, on December 1st, they had a global guiding for Pathfinders visit the world centers and it was a live meeting and it was free. Um, but like, I feel like I didn't hear about them. So I was kind of yeah. surprised. So I think um, keep an eye out for it. Maybe I'll share the link on socials um, mm -hmm. and then you can just check to see if anything new comes out. Like I said, that last one was from December. So they haven't done anything recently, um, but Something but that could for. be, you know, due to the holidays and it's only yeah. the second full week of January. Things are still kind of wrapping, ramping back up yeah. after the holidays. Yeah, um, like they had some connecting question for guides. They had some connecting question for rangers. Um, they had some our shared planets. Like they even had art studio for sparks, which is kind of cute. So yeah, they're... Um, there are some, but it's really hidden, unfortunately, or like it wasn't highlighted, at least. It wasn't uh, obvious. Yeah. Um, that is a little disappointing. That would have been a lot of fun, I think. I know I would have pointed our girls towards that. Um, 
yeah but we'll keep an eye of it and hopefully something else comes up in the winter um so yeah. the last country i looked at in depth was the uk um and they also took a somewhat regional approach to their lockdown recommendations um so instead of doing it per province they did it per country so the uk is for countries you know kind of all under the one umbrella so britain wales scotland and ireland um therefore different countries all under the uk um so each country had their own little um lockdown levels um that they are since they're in a you know uk wide lockdown they're all back to at home and online only um they had um adventures at home which was broken up to their different age groups um and had challenges of the month um and virtual games and activities that you can do online with your units or it was open to anybody so anyone could find the web page and go and check it out um so there's definitely some things i won't go back and look a little bit closer find things for our girls um definitely would be excited to try um and they had a guide to adapt their program as well to kind of make it work online a little bit better um and everywhere i looked no matter what country is kind of the same thing they had resources on the um national website to kind of help guiders adapt they had you know one or two um different things to help with the um transition and activities uh but not like there wasn't any one country that really stood out doing anything dramatically different it was all it's all kind of the same point feels like most of the world were you know kind of figuring it out how to make um our weekly meetings work at home and online um as different countries in different areas go to different you know levels of restrictions um yeah and then um we've kind of talked about our experiences with our girls about you know struggling through zoom meetings pulling teeth to get participation and then our struggles of doing outdoor meetings and being socially distanced while doing different activities and getting things to change yeah I think one thing too to keep in mind, um, somebody I taught I I often tell my friends who are non-guiders or not involved with guiding, um, non-guiding friends, that about like the things that we do. And um I have one friend that I talked to quite recently and I was like, Yeah, I just don't know how to get like our girls, you know, participating. They tend to just sort of sit there and listen, but don't necessarily have anything to say. And she reminded me that like yeah not everyone is gonna feel comfortable with it even you know six months in like to virtual meetings it's like not everyone is at that level of like wanting to share and I think it's important to remember that like your timeline of 
getting things achieved should be more realistic to your situation, your scenario. So mm-hmm. like, I'm sure many of you have seen online people saying like, don't push yourself too hard. Like we're in a pandemic, like don't hold yourself to such high standards. It's just not realistic right now. And I think that's something that everyone has to be reminded of as nice as it is to complete things. I think we can't pressure each other um, to get everything done because it's just not realistic. It's not healthy in yeah. terms of your mental health either. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind um, and try to keep things fun by incorporating things like Kahoot or Drawsaurus or like whatever apps you're finding or games that make things a little bit more fun and interactive. Cause I found the meetings where we sort of laid back and just played games were the ones where the girls talked the most and had the most fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard. It's, it, it is hard and you kind of got to find what works for your group. Some groups are just more social than others that way, but yeah. um, just remind yourself of that as you go in. Cause we've got at least like another, I don't even know how many, at least three or four months, maybe even more. Yeah. Um, Hopefully virtual. with the uh, vaccine rollout things, you know, start getting a little better, a little bit more optimistic. Um, but we'll see. Um, I guess speaking of vaccine, it brings us to mm-hmm. this week's She Was a Girl Guide, you know, <laughs> Karen, Karen Catton. Nancy Reagan, Helen Hayes, Jan Davis, John Sovey, Carrie Fisher, William's sister, Shirley Temple Black, Tammy Duckworth, Kathy Frost, Candace Bergen, Lucille Ball, Debbie Reynolds, Princess Margaret, Hillary Clinton. Did you know she was a girl guide? Busting down the door a hundred years or more. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was a guide you know. Did you know she was a girl guide? Yeah, so Karen is a name that we've been wanting to look at recently um, because of the whole Pfizer vaccine and its approval and its use now Mm -hmm. in countries all around the world. Um, We thought she'd be great. And the fact that she's a former Girl Scout is even better. Um, So there was not a lot of background information in terms of her childhood, um, sort of non-existent to the public so which is pretty standard for people who hold positions um high in business or high in politics you don't really get their kid background information which is fine um what we do know however is that she was born in 1948 and she's a native of kansas city missouri um she's american and in terms of her education um Karen went to the University of Chicago and she received her bachelor's degree in political science in 1970. And shortly after graduation, she landed her uh, first like, you know, big job. Um, and it was in sales at an office supply company. So, you know, like think of the office, that's the kind of job <laughs> she had, um, minus probably all the comedy, but you know, office supply, not that exciting. She was selling probably having had the job in sales so you know pretty mundane most people would say um and after a year of working she returned to school um probably because she found 
it was pretty mundane. Um, and she went to um, the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. And that's where she earned her master's degree. And she graduated from there in 1974. And then pretty much right after she joined Pfizer, she got a job there and she started out in marketing and management. Um, and, you know, that was basically her lifetime job. Her career was at Pfizer. Um, unlike how jobs are now and careers are now, people job hop around quite a bit. Um, people don't tend to hold on to jobs for more than like two or three years. There's exceptions, of course, to that. But people now are more often moving around. Um, but back then, totally the opposite. Um, so she kept it exciting by going up through the ranks, essentially. And yeah, so she took on many roles over the years, including vice president of marketing starting in 1983. So after she'd been there for nearly a decade, she had that promotion. And then in 1986, she became vice president and director of operations. And then in 1990, she was working in the role of vice president of operations, moving on from director. Um, and that was really where she became the innovator that she was known to be. And that's really where you saw most of her true colors coming through and like what she was known for. So like I said, an innovator, but also a trailblazer. She um, played a really big role in the launch of some pretty big products for Pfizer um, at that time. So there was con one called um, Feldine and then another product called Procardia. And basically her involvement in those are what set her on a course for like continual success. She just kept growing and growing from there. Um, she was also an innovator behind some of the unique hospital-based programs that Pfizer had. Um, and it was sort of in that role and at that time that she had begun to recognize that companies like Pfizer had to think more than a quarter ahead um, that they had to like invest in the future as well as their own people. So in business terms, a quarter is every four months. Um, Typically it goes January to April and like that, like the year starts in January, ends in December, um, but it could depend on the industry. Um, so basically she said like, it's not standard right now, but it should be that we think ahead. We think to the future of what's coming next. And with technology being so big nowadays, it is, you're going to not succeed if you do not think into the future, at least more than a year. Yeah. Um, so she was sort of the innovator of that thinking um, when it came to pharmaceuticals, at least. And then in 1991, she was named vice president and general manager of the Pfizer Pharmaceuticals Group and then rose up to executive vice president in 1993. Um, then by 95, she was promoted to president of Pfizer U.S. Pharmaceuticals. This was another big, big role for her. Hmm. Um, she, in this role, launched several new products, um, many of which you will know and have heard of, um, including Viagra, um, which is for erectile dysfunction, Lipitor, which is to lower cholesterol. Um, there's one called Zyrtec, which is an allergy medicine. Um, Zoloft, which is used for depression, 
Um, Celebrex, if you've heard the commercials, it's for arthritis pain <laughs> and also a leading antibiotic called Zithromax. So those are, you've probably at least heard of two or three of those. Yeah. Um, they're huge. Um, so she was instrumental in those, in the launch of those. Um, and thanks to Karen, uh, Pfizer US also achieved record financial performance each year under her leadership. And specifically in 1999, their revenues had topped $9.2 billion American. Um, so big. She was played a very big role, very important role. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she was also responsible for a very large integration, one of the largest in the history of U- the U.S. pharmaceutical industry. And that was when Pfizer acquired um, Warner Lambert. And um, at the time, Karen was the head of Pfizer's principal domestic operating division. So made sense. Um, She was also credited for much of um, Pfizer's success in the U.S. pharmaceutical markets in the early 2000s. Um, So already we're in 2000s and she started this job in 1974. So like this is long term. Um, She's been there nearly 30 years at this point. Um, Then in 2001, she assumed responsibility for the global business. So before she had been working mostly domestically in the U.S. um, for U.S. Pfizer, but now she's assuming a global position. Um, And it was um, operating in more than 90 countries. And she was the president then of Pfizer Global Pharmaceuticals. Um, So, yeah, she basically had proven herself in all of these roles prior. And that led to her taking on probably arguably one of the biggest roles for Pfizer. Um, Her management style overall throughout all those roles um, is described to be very much the opposite of your classic, like top-down authoritarian approach in management. So she was not like that. She was much more open, like we said, innovative. Um, She just had a different approach to managing people and people noticed that. The people who worked under her um, noticed that. And um, yeah, she was able to build really cohesive teams and teams that had cross-functional members, meaning that like people from different areas could work together really well. And she was able to make those teams. Um, Yeah, that seems to be a trend that's kind of only started in the last couple decades um cross training and being able to work um at least in some um at least some level in different departments or with different departments and like at least understand what's going on um in case you know someone needs to pull you in real quick for a last minute save or a little bit of extra help um and it lets you grow more um, as an individual and as an employee, being able to know and experience new and different uh, things in different departments. Mm-hmm. And teams just work so much better that way if you can understand where the other person is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my um, program at university that was like a huge focus on the program was you were going to learn all these things so that you could understand 
um, you know, your programmers, you could understand your business managers, you could understand your um, like business administrators, your HR, like you could understand the designers, whatever it was that you were dealing with in the world of like business and um, digital, you could understand everything. And it saves so much time from yeah. having to explain to someone like this is how code works you have to understand like I have a good enough understanding that if I were to talk to a programmer I could say okay I know what the constraints are I know what you can do and what you can't do what's mm-hmm. possible and what's not and like how long it would take you so yeah. you know leaves a uh, less room and less time for argument and <laughs> explanation and um, also lets you like find new interests mm-hmm. surprise yeah. little interests um yeah yeah um so that's what karen was good at doing she was good at assembling those teams um she also encouraged open communication amongst team members and individuals um and like i said included individuals from various specialties so including like scientists the physicians they worked with the salespeople, the marketers um and they included those people from the beginning to the end of the entire process of like a new drug being produced and launched like people were involved from the beginning all the way to the end even if they didn't come in until maybe a later stage or they were only involved in their early stages right like the scientists only involved in the early stages but then the salespeople are involved at the end stage well for her it was like you're involved in every stage um, don't want you to not know what's going on, basically. Yeah. Um, she was also someone who cared about the people she worked for and with. Um, and there's actually one of her, um, I guess, former co-workers. Um, his name is Dr. Joseph Fesco, and he was senior VP for the medical and regula- regulatory operations. So I guess he sort of came from the physician side of things. Um, And he said of her that she relies very heavily on the experience and technical knowledge of the physicians in her group, but she's not intimidated. While she's a bottom line type of person, she brings a human face to the business. She's interested in doing the right thing, even if it's not supportive of the bottom line. So basically, like I wanted she wanted to do the right thing, um, whether or not that meant financial success, right? Mm -hmm. Um, She didn't want to compromise is basically what that meant. Um, So yeah, a lot of people looked up to her. A lot of people really liked what she did. I'm sure there are people who did not like what she did, but you cannot um, say that it didn't, like it never hurt Pfizer. You can't say that she didn't lead them to success because she did. And she probably is one of the big reasons why they are where they are today. Yeah. Um, She is known as one of the most highly respected women in the pharmaceutical industry because of that. Um, And is, you know, managing, um, known for managing larger business units um, more than, more so than any other female manager in the industry. And um, her stature was very evident from her membership in the industry's leading organization, um, which is called the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers Association of America. So, you know, she made sure she stayed informed and stayed a member of that. She wanted to make sure she didn't lose any of her knowledge and understanding. She kept up to date. Um, And yet she ended her time with Pfizer as the president of Pfizer in March 2007. 
So, I mean, she ended on a high note is what I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, she realized when the time was ending and she thought, yep, yeah, just gonna leave it here on a high note. Don't want to like go down in history as having succeeded, but then failed. So yeah. Um, she was also with Pfizer for over 40 years. If my math was off the top of my head, yeah. that was correct. Like that's a long time. That's a work. lifetime. It's a yeah. lifetime of, in terms of your career, it's depending on when you start, but yeah. I think you, most people start a job uh, in the early twenties, um, like their career, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's 40 years. Well, you're already 62 ish. Um, you're almost set to retire at that point. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, that's a lifetime career. So yeah. she's stuck with that job. Um, yep. So after Pfizer, she continued to serve um, on many boards. She served as trustee for the University of Chicago, her alma mater, um, and is a member of the council on the Chicago Booth School of Business. Um, She also served on the board of General Motors Harris and the International Council of JP JP Morgan and Co. Um, I thought the General Motors one was like really odd, but I mean, (laughs) who knows? Um, She also served on the board of directors for several health and community organizations, which makes a lot of sense coming from the pharmaceutical background. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also noted somewhere. I don't know if I have it in my notes, but she prior to working with Pfizer, I believe had worked in healthcare a little bit. So she also had a bit of hands-on research, um, not research, hands-on experience, which is very helpful when you're working on the business side of things to understand what's going on in the field. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, then she, um, to, to this day, she continues to lend her experience and expertise to the industry as she serves as the senior advisor to the Essex Woodlands Health Venture. Um, and then over the years, she's been dedicated to her community as well and improving the public health, um, which has earned her a number of accolades. Um, already starting in 1990, the Healthcare Businesswoman's Association named Karen Catton as their very first woman of the year. So probably a pretty big honor to be named mm-hmm. their first ever. Um, and then in 2000, she was recognized as one of the t- 25 top executives of the year um, as of Business Week. Um, and then in that same year, Fortune Magazine named her one of the 50 most powerful women in business. And that in that year, in 2000, that was for the third consecutive year. Um, And then specifically in 2003, Fortune named her the sixth most powerful woman in business, edging out Oprah Winfrey. That's Um, a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I included it. I thought it was interesting to see, you know, perspective. Um, Um, Did it come up who the top five that year were? Ah, I should have looked those up. I did not look them up, but you're going to do it, I know. I'm um, looking it up now. So I didn't even think of doing that. I just thought Oprah Winfrey, man, she edged out her. That's good enough for me. <laughs> but it would be interesting to know who else, um, for context, who else was in that list. Um, but yeah, so she's been quite recognized. And um, 
Lastly, I'll say the Chicago Booth School of Business also honored Karen in 2000 with a corporate award for her outstanding achievements. Um, the Chicago School of Business um, recognizes alumni every year and gives them different awards. So that was the year that she was recognized and specifically for a corporate award. Um, so yeah. Um, nothing came up right away. I can tell you the 2004 list, but the 2003 list didn't come up right away. So I will do a little bit more looking and find that out for next week. <laughs> we'll update you all for context. Yeah. It's weird that I can get like, oh, here we go. No, that's only between now and 04. Uh, we'll find it. It must be somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird that, you know, everyone only kind of has it 2004 and later. 2004 and now, nothing before then. Um, but I think a lot of that is um, just kind of where the internet was in the early 2000s. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. Um, it's out there. We'll do some digging. <laughs> you can hear the frantic scrolling. <laughs> I found a list. I don't think it's the right one, but no, it's who made the most money. It's not the fortune list. Not quite the same. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, yeah, that's like quite the career, quite the woman. Um, yeah, I wonder what would have happened if um, she wasn't there to kind of push Pfizer to look, you know, further into the future versus, you know, like the next year, like even the next four months, like that's such a narrow time frame, And especially in pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. where the uh, product life cycle is so much longer to plan, develop, test and then be able to sell um they are um the pharmaceuticals um it takes a lot longer um you know the fact that we have a covid vaccine in a little under a year a little over a year um is kind of a miracle like getting things um developed and tested and perfected so quickly um, and uh, deemed safe enough to start vaccinating people um, isn't what you hear of, like most vaccines and pharmaceuticals, you know, from, you know, when they're created to when they are kind of on the market is at least a decade. So having such a narrow or short-sighted view of things for a pharmaceutical company just blows my mind. It's so weird that they weren't looking that far ahead, but mm. she changed that. And now we have Viagra and so many yeah. other wonderful, <laughs> wonderful drugs. Um, yeah. I always think about Celebrex. I I remember that commercial being on TV at some point. Uh, 
It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know if, you know, when I was on antibiotics, um, some of the antibiotics I was on were fairly narrow spectrum. So having the number of antibiotics out there to give, you know, the flexibility to make sure that you have what you need for whatever you're dealing with. Um, that's not just penicillin anymore um, is a big deal. <laughs> um, but talking about, I have no good transition, um, going from the <laughs> wonderful world of um, pharmaceuticals to getting everyone back together and spending time together and actually seeing people face to face um, brings us to our campfire song, It's a Small World. I was telling Marissa when we were looking at topics a couple weeks ago that it took me until fairly late, like high school maybe, that I learned that It's a Small World is based off or it was written for a Disney ride. Um, mm -hmm. My parents never took me to any Disney growing up. Uh, they took my brother, but they didn't take me. Uh, not that I'm bitter or anything, um, but like I never knew. I like always knew it as either a campfire song or a lullaby, um, but never realized it had you know such a history and you know was so well known as a Disney ride. Um, so the um, it's a small world ride is a water-based boat ride. Um, located at multiple Disney parks around the world. So it's, um, I hear my person one or both of the ones in the States, but it's in Tokyo and Paris and Hong Kong. Um, and the first version um, showed up in the 1964 World's Fair in New York. Um, and the original song that was written by the Sherman Brothers the year before when shown played played for Walt Disney he said it was too sad and to make it a little more jaunty so they changed up the tune and gave mm. us the version we own now um and they picked the lyrics because it was for in part because it was for the world's fair um to make it very easily translated uh so it can be translated into a ton of different languages and the Sherman brothers claim it's the most translated song in history, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. I think um, now I've also never been to any Disney parks, but I've watched a lot of videos of people go on rides and for it's a small world. I think at least 
uh, in the Florida one, maybe also in the Paris one, the song goes through different renditions. Like it has it all being sung in different languages as you go through the ride because you're going through different countries. So yeah, it's um, it's quite true that it is translated and easily translatable. Mm -hmm. And in Paris, it's sung in French and I'm sure in um, Tokyo, it's sung also in a different language. Yeah. So. Um, And um, with it being able to be translated so easily, goes really well with the fact that there's over 300 audio animatronic dolls in traditional costumes from different cultures around the world. Um, So being able to go and sing it in different languages as you go through the world um, makes sense. And one of the inspirations that the Sherman Brothers had for writing the song was the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, and so in the heat of the crisis, they wanted something that, you know, reminds everyone that the world is a lot smaller and less scary than we think, or it can be at times. Um, and that, you know, like the lyrics say, there's only one moon, there's only one sun. Um, it's, you know, we're that different from any other culture when it really comes down to it. Um, And the last fun fact I have is that there's a cover by the Baja Men. Um, So if you want um, to listen to that, uh, which you definitely should, it is insane. Um, (laughs) Definitely not what I was expecting. Um, But they did it for... Um, a movie they did it to uh, for the um, around the world in 80s day 80 days oh, okay. movie I've um, not seen that but maybe I should watch but um, <laughs> I listened to part of the song and it is excellent oh okay I used um, to I will admit I'm gonna be honest I used to hate the song like but that's because maybe partially I've never been to Disney World, Disneyland. Um, But also, I used to find it annoying, I think. Um, Or, like, I don't know how to describe it, but just not exciting. Yeah. Um, But it's grown on me, and um, now I'm excited to listen to that version. Yeah. Um, So that's one thing that a lot of people have said over the years, is that it's annoying and gets stuck in your head. Yeah. It is Mm. not the best earworm out there. Um. But as, you know, you're kind of removed from it a little bit, not hearing it so regularly, the sentiment behind it is just so sweet um, that you kind of can't hate it forever, uh, that you will come back and realize that it really is a sweet song that is important and, you know, it's something that we should all think of and listen yeah, and just like how it was, you know, first created to give people inspiration during the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, I think it's perfect for COVID, even if people think it's a little, you know, <laughs> cheesy is yeah. the word I guess I would use. Um, it's very true, you know, like, 
sometimes it's it's not appropriate to say we're all in the situa- same situation because we're not in the same situation, but we are all facing the same virus and mm-hmm. restrictions are very similar, if not the same um, for a lot of us. And I think we just have to remember that we're all human. We're all trying to keep our families safe and healthy. Um, and we all just want to get back to where it was before, but we all have to work together to make that happen. And um, I think that's something that people need to be reminded of. Um, A lot of tickets are being handed out by police for people breaching different restrictions and whatnot. And it just goes to show that clearly not everyone is on the same page. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh, Hopefully with the vaccine rollout, people go and get their vaccines um mm-hmm. and we can get back to uh the world that we know that and miss. could be <laughs> yeah um i was watching a show um and there was a bunch of people crowded together on a train at one point and i was like oh i miss that i miss going and being able to do stuff and see people who i don't live with um even though like I've been lucky and I've been considered an essential worker through this all, which is its own set of challenges. Um, and going into the office fairly regularly and seeing other people, like that's all I saw. I saw my husband and my coworkers and that's it. And um, not being able to see friends, but see, you know, the people you work with as much as I enjoy working with people I work with, I enjoy <laughs> lots of other people as well. <laughs> um yeah yeah. it's silly to think like something as simple as taking a bus ride like you kind of miss miss that or just like standing next to somebody in line (laughs) giving somebody a hug like oh yeah hugs are oh yeah but the vaccines here vaccines multiple vaccines Mm. right here and uh, hopefully they all get into arms soon and we can go back to giving people hugs and shaking hands and all that good stuff. In the um, meantime, though, spend your time listening to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and while you're listening, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Um, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. Um, wherever you find us, make sure you give us a five-star rating and a review to let us know that you're listening and enjoying and give us any new ideas or topics or um, girl guides or songs that you want to hear us talk about. Yep, absolutely. And you can also follow us on social media. We're at GuidesOwn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keep up to date on any of the newest episodes, any podcast news, behind-the-scenes bits. If you follow us on Instagram, I recently have been more active on there. Done a couple, we'll have done a couple videos by the time this episode mm-hmm. comes out. So um, I tried to try it out a story the other day. Um, we'll see if people like that or not. I think face to face, being able to see the faces behind the podcast really helps. And we haven't really done a whole lot of that. So yeah, I want to do more of that. Um, so, if I have more free time again, I will get more on Twitter. <laughs> Um, but between the podcast and Pathfinders and online courses yeah. and a puppy, I don't know where my time goes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. 
Um, and as we part, we wish you all, our listeners, safe and good guiding. Good guiding. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hills, from the sky. All is well, safely rest, peace is nigh.